Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Joe. This is a pretty big week we got to kind of take stock of. Um, you want to start with China or the Fed? Which one? I'll give you a choice. <laughs> well, we'll probably end up talking more about the Fed once that gets rolling and arguing a bit more. So why don't we start with the kind of the growth backdrops and some of those headwinds are what the Fed is looking at as well. All right, just keep talking and I'll jump in when I'm interested. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in, in some sense, we've got we've got these forces that we think are going to be lift in our outlook. And for listeners, we did put out our mid-year outlook uh, so you can have get more details on that in there. But, you know, the forces of lift are about a fading of drags. And one of the big drags is is China reopening after a pretty big slump that what we think was going to pull GDP down about 5% annualized this quarter. Um, that reopening is generating a pickup in activity and the May activity data showed that with, uh, I think, about a 3.5% jump in industrial production. Um, remember, that came after about a 7 and change collapse the prior month. So we're still in a hole here, which means there's probably still some more uplift that we are worried about potential lockdowns again. We're not seeing signs of that yet. If anything, it seems like there's a de facto easing of the zero COVID policy among policymakers, even if it's not official. So maybe that kind of tempers things uh, out a little bit and keeps this updraft uh, occurring. So I think the basic message from China is that it, that is quite positive. I would just throw into the mix We've been worrying about spillovers, and I think it continues to be the case that we're not seeing those spillovers yet in any material way. And next week's PMIs will, will maybe get a little bit of a flavor of that. So we'll be keeping an eye on those, the flash PMIs, I should say. Yeah. So let's, we're going to jump, I think, right to the Fed, but let's just also round this out by recognizing that as China's starting to lift and as we're feeling a little bit better about. Uh, how the rest of the region is faring in the context of what's happened. Um, the U.S. data is definitely softening, and you can see that mm -hmm. in the very significant slide in the housing indicators, the retail spending numbers. Uh, we did take down our Q2 um, GDP uh, uh, estimates this this week, and um, you know that's an interesting backdrop to turn to talking about the Fed because you can and it also just to just to put a point on that, Bruce. It, you know, part of the themes that we are flagging in the outlook is this rotation, the sense that Asia is going to get this updraft from China reopening at a time when the U.S. is is slowing, particularly within the goods sector space. And uh, I think that contrast is going to be something the the global outlook is going to have to grapple with. Yes, and that's going to be one of the important tensions is how the balance of those forces play themselves out. But let's turn to the to the Fed now. So we have that backdrop. We've got some slowing in the U.S. data. We obviously have tightening in U.S. and global financial conditions. And then the Fed comes in starting with the, the signal on Monday and then the uh, follow through on Wednesday and delivers. It's us with a two by four. <laughs> 74 or five basis point rate hike. Um, I think this is a pretty momentous decision from the part of the Fed, and I think it comes, um, you know, in an environment in which they're telling us very explicitly they want to go to restrictive policy, and they're willing to take risks with the expansion. They want the unemployment rate to go up. So, um, not sure what you want to argue about, but why don't you take it from there and and give me your your perspective on it? Well, I mean, look, I mean, if you just wanted to kind of 
discuss thoughts on on the Fed. I, I you know at the start of the week, I was when hints of seventy five were coming out. I felt like that seemed to be a, a maybe unnecessary. It seemed like if you really wanted to get more hawkish, you could maybe guide towards more fifties. You could start talking about a need to get into restrictive territory a bit more. Both of those seemed like kind of measured reasonable responses uh to the current situation and instead you got the the the, the more extreme version which was going 75 and i think as you, as you noted it it tells you there's a shift going on and they are feeling incredibly pressured he did say that the you know the cpi report was quite important um the michigan expectations which made a big jump up i think was important there the thing that i, I guess you and i were maybe uh, debating a little bit I feel like there's a reactiveness here to the data. There's a, um, you know, arguably it's a sense of humility of not knowing really what's going on and just saying we're going to respond to the data. That, you know, might be the right thing to do when you don't have a good handle on what's happening. But at the same time, it can also make things very volatile and it can make you tend to overreact to to any one piece of data. And, you know, I mean, you know, this reacting to a CPI report like this, I think, you know, could could err in that direction. That comes after a long string of upside surprises. So, you know, arguably you could say it's the straw that broke the camel's back rather than the straw itself. So that becomes, I think, the issue here is where where are we with regard to that camel's back, especially given that the Fed has kept open uh, the possibility of 75 at the next meeting as well. Uh, the fact that we're at least in our early uh, forecast looking for a nine tenths rise in CPI uh, for the month of, uh, uh, June. So that will be another, uh, high side reading. And I think, you know, this issue you're mentioning about sensitivity really does come to the fore in the following sense that, um, the fed is telling us it wants to, uh, put restrictive policies in place and wants to have, uh, a, a trajectory upward on the unemployment rate, but it's not telling us it wants to uh, uh, you know, prepare us for weak growth yet. At least it's not doing that explicitly. And back to his explicit in kind of batting down the notion of not wanting to engineer a recession. I mean, so yeah, that that was a little puzzling that you can get a rise in the unemployment rate in their forecast with growth still running above potential in their forecast. The, the, the easy way to square it, of course, is that they're still holding on to this soft landing approach of a, of a labor supply response or perhaps a productivity response. It's, it's a supply side. Uh, they get bailed out by the supply side in this out, outlook. That's how you can square it. But that's that's some wishful thinking. Right. But then we get to the, I think, the really tangible question going forward. We do now have clear signs the U.S. is slowing, and I think there's every reason to think the U.S. economy is going to look softer three or six months from now. So, you know, I don't think there's anything that's going to stop the Fed to getting to at least 3% on rates, which is where you start to feel they're in mildly restrictive territory. But once you get there, the question is how much further are they going to go if the economy is actually showing tangible signs of weakness rather than having growth risks, which is what we have right now? It is kind of interesting, right, where you, you, you've you got these headwinds, which you'd say are, are kind of real 
kind of thorns in the side of of the economy and and the Fed. But in a sense, they could be the the blessing in in disguise, right? They could do some of the slowing that the Fed is is trying to get, and we could end up here by later this year with an economy. You know, the wind's been taken out of the sails of the economy. Certainly, partly by financial conditions and Fed tightening, but also because of this surge in energy prices and inflation that we think is going to happen. And by the time we get to later this year, and as you note, as they get to to three percent, maybe they can back off, and maybe you do get that soft landing because of these these headwinds. I, I think you can tell that story. Maybe the Fed is is hoping for a little bit of that. Well, it it depends really on on how their reaction function is going to be uh, said here. Uh, obviously- It also depends on if the medicine doesn't kill the patient, right? Well, I think the, obviously we could be in recession in three or four months from now and then, yeah. and then the Fed doesn't have a very difficult uh, task. It then has to stop tightening and think about easing. But yep. the, the more interesting, and I think the more likely scenario is the economy is going to be slowing a decent amount. The Fed will have delivered uh, a chunk of tightening to get them uh, to three percent, perhaps a little higher, and then they have to decide in that context of slowing in a world in which inflation may have come down somewhat but is still high, do they keep plugging along? Do they move towards what the market is now actually uh, suggesting, which is they get up to a a four percent policy rate? I think from the perspective of our view that we might be able to avoid a recession here, we need the Fed to show sensitivity at this point. Uh, to back off from the pace of tightening once they start to see payroll growth get down towards a hundred a thousand a month or 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 lower. Um, and the question is with inflation still likely to be elevated, are they going to do that or not? And that that I think is unanswered in terms of the signal. Well, I think we did get week. a little bit of an answer, right? I mean, this as this week suggests that sensitivity is probably less than at least you were thinking, right? We were debating a couple of weeks ago about how much of a rise in the unemployment rate would the Fed tolerate. And I think uh, maybe you were arguing a sensitivity as much as three to four tenths rise in the unemployment rate might be enough. That's in their forecast and they're still hiking into that, which is, I think, why you're suggesting there has been a shift this week in at least the way we're, we're interpreting the Fed. Oh, for sure. No, I think there's a shift. The question is, how far has that shift gone? And the question is, when you see payroll growth slow, when you see GDP growth slow, and you've been raising rates, in a forward-looking sense, you have to basically recognize that if you keep going there, you may wind up with a traditional recession on your hands. And traditional recessions are not about three or four or five-tenth rise in unemployment rate. They're about two and three and four percentage point rises. And the question is, how much risk is the Fed willing to take on that front uh, I think our baseline view, the view that Mike has built into, Mike Froley built into our U.S. forecast, is that the Fed does uh, respond to that growth slowdown, and it slows the pace um, uh, as we get to, into next year. And he actually doesn't have the Fed going all the way up to the uh, the Fed SCP uh, guidance for next year uh, at three, three, three and three quarters percent policy rates. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, for the meantime, I think we have to recognize this is not just a U.S. story. Uh, we are seeing reverberations through other central banks. We raised our Bank of Canada call for a 75 basis point hike. We've been raising central bank calls for other central banks that are um, um, in some ways uh, facing similar circumstances and are somewhat sensitive to what the Fed's doing. Uh, the one notable exception 
uh, is, of course, the BOJ, which uh, held the line uh, both on its uh, uh, YCC uh, uh, bans this week uh, and also basically said it's not moving in response to currency weakness, at least not at this point. So uh, that's an interesting uh, uh, dynamic. Uh, I think as we um, end this, um, I just wonder from your perspective, uh, Joe, we're going to come into next week with uh, flash PMIs. We're going to get the broader manufacturing PMIs. Just a word perhaps on what you think happens next in, in global manufacturing in this world in which the, the China lifting is happening alongside uh, a U.S. slowing. Well, I think the easier call is the relative aspect, which we already touched on. I think there is a bit of an updraft taking place across Asia uh, and, and the U.S. is slowing. And of course, today's uh, manufacturing report for May being a disappointment showing a contraction um, you know, underscores that point uh, in the same week when, um, uh, you know, China put up that that very strong number. Uh, looking to the PMIs, which is going to be a read for June, um, you know, I, I think that relative point probably will still be playing out. The question is just in an absolute sense, what's going to be happening to manufacturing? I, it's hard, Bruce. I mean, we, we've got this this tension. I mean, my my thinking is things are are moving in the soft direction. And that means, you know, not just, you know, the risk of recession and all of that. But I, I think you're you're going to have a period of, 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 of softness here after the manufacturing sector did quite well through the first quarter of this year. And you had some inventory accumulation there while the inventories could be, you know, driving part of that story in the you know, through the summer months, inventories still are quite low. Uh, I'm just not sure if there's going to be the uh, the drive to to try to restock in a world if you're a manufacturer where you're getting as scared as we are about the the life of the expansion. So I, I think the the PMI should probably be signaling you know in, increasing reticence in the manufacturing space. So I'll take that to mean Asian PMIs go up, U.S. PMIs go down. The net is probably down a bit. Yeah. Okay, so let's leave it there. And uh, thanks, everybody, and hope to be able to continue this conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.